Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Such good truth. You know, I grew up in this woman's home. Thank you, Lord. Because I got to see the faith of my mom. And this weekend, you have gotten a glimpse into the faith of my mom as well. And one thing that she does really, really well is she processes out loud. She shares and invites everyone into it, right? This is what I'm dealing with right now. And I, one of my favorite things she said was, I'm the speaker and you're probably thinking you should know this. And she's just vulnerable out there. Here's where I am. And so at a very young age, I grew up just exposed to this, right? I grew up in a pastor's home. We were in church all the time, and when I mean all the time, we were the last ones to leave on a Sunday morning. We were at every midweek gathering and event, like all of them. I feel like I, as a child, was there. I have uh, journals with like sermon notes when I was like five years old, which is just <laughs> weird. But I, I was exposed to Jesus and to the truth, but I was fortunate enough by the grace of God to encounter the living God for myself which is different, right? Being exposed to it and encountering God for yourself. And so at a very young age, I had a hunger and a thirst in me to know Jesus, to understand his word for myself and to memorize it. And I asked my parents, you know, can I get baptized? They're like, of course you can get baptized. And I decided to follow Jesus and I never looked back. And I'm so grateful that this is my story, that this is my testimony. It feels like the grace of God. And yet, there have been many seasons of my life where my yoke <laughs> has not felt easy and my burden has not felt light. My mom mentioned last night um, this season of our life where my brother was suffering with all sorts of things. And that was just a heavy time for our family. And she gave the perspective of a mother and what that felt like to watch her son work through this and walk through this and suffer from this. I had a whole different perspective. I was a sister, you know? And I watched my parents who didn't know what to do. And I was kind of taking a back seat, stepping back, and it's hard for me to talk about that season of my life, but there's one story that it captures um, just a little piece of, of just what it was like for me. Um, it was between treatment centers for my brother. So he had been at the hospital at UCLA for you know almost a year, and he came home, and I think it was a 24-hour period before he went to this next treatment center. And he was home, and he was sitting at the counter in the kitchen in our home, and I remember 
just talking to him. I was making myself lunch, and I thought, like, this, this could be normal again, you know? Like, I knew he was leaving, but to have him home in our home again with us after, like, a year, I'm like, this is so sweet. This is so good. And I'm making myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and um, because my brother was a danger to himself, we had all the sharps in our home locked up in a safe on our kitchen counter. And I remember thinking, I need to be discreet when I open the safe to take out a butter knife to make my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I also don't want to be awkward because it's my brother, and it's been a year, and he's a lot better, and so I want to be careful, but you know, I'm not, I don't want to be weird about it. I don't want to make a weird thing. And I remember this going through my mind. And I opened the safe, I got out a butter knife, I made my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I wasn't discreet enough, because my brother watched me enter in the code to the safe. And he got up in the middle of the night, and he took something out. And the Lord protected him that night before he left for the treatment center. He also protected me. Thank you, Lord, that nothing happened. But I remember waking up, and when he told us what he had done, I felt the weight of it. Like, if something would have happened, that would have been on me, you know? I felt like... Obviously, there were a lot of other factors going on in this moment, but I was a kid, you know, and I was carrying that. Like, that was heavy for me to think that and to feel that. And after that season of years of walking through this with my brother, I went into a season of depression on my, of my own. I walked through that depression. The Lord walked with me through that, but it was heavy. My husband and I got married. We decided, you know, we think we're ready to start a family and we got pregnant, and we were so excited, and we lost our first baby. That was so heavy. Since then, we've lost two more, one as recent as this past January. We've lost friends and family members. We've walked through with our dearest friends the loss of their family members and friends. I watched as they wheeled away my eight-week-old son and cut open his stomach to operate on him. I've seen both my kids in the emergency room. I've suffered from health problems that have gone unanswered. We've waited for promises that have not been fulfilled. We've been in pain. We've suffered, you know? And I know in a room this size, there is pain. There is suffering. There are burdens that are heavy. And I'm sorry. And yet, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want to believe that that's true. I 
do. I want to believe that these are not just flippant words of Jesus that are for somebody else. I want to believe that these are words for us. That we can live with his easy yoke and his light burden. But how do we do that with the tension of the reality of life and its heaviness and the burdens? Today, we're going to talk about that. And I believe the, the Lord has a word of hope for you. I believe he gave me this message to give for you, to you, to encourage you that, first of all, these words are true. Second of all, that these words are for you. And third, that this is not a pie-in-the-sky ideal concept in some other world, that we can be women who experience Jesus's light burden and his easy yoke. I believe that is possible. So I just want to open us in a word of prayer. As we just come before the Father, acknowledge our pain. Lord, you know we sit in this tension. Lord, you're the one who said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and yet you went to the cross. You suffered. You were in pain. But you still spoke these words. So, Lord, for those of us who can't even believe that they could be true, I ask simply this morning that you would give us the faith to believe. Give us the faith to believe that these words could be true. Even the step before experiencing them to be true, just believing they could be true. And for those of us who by the power of the Holy Spirit have the faith to believe that these words are true, but we have not experienced them to be true in our lives, show us how that is possible for us today, Lord. Show us how, by your power, through your word that is living and active. Lord, so many of us have come. We've come to you. We are ready to receive the rest, Lord. Maybe even last night we identified what our burdens are before you, what we need to give over to you, but we haven't laid them down. And if we've laid them down even, the reality is that we're going back home today to our life and to our problems and to our challenges and to the heaviness. Yet your word is true. It never returns void. So we believe right now, Lord, this group of women, by faith, we believe that your word is true and we ask that you would just make it come alive. Show us how to experience your light burden and your easy yoke.
Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for seeing our pain. Thank you for going before us. Thank you for being tender with us. We love you, Jesus. We do. Amen. There's a passage that I love that so beautifully talks through this tension. The easy yoke and the reality of our life. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Here's where we're going to go because I always love to tell you what we're doing before we do it so you can follow along. Jesus in this passage invites us to do two things. The first is to lay down our burdens, and the second is to take on his yoke. Sounds easy enough, right? (laughs) We'll see. These are the two points, and again, these are not, I'm just not making this up. This is what I see in the text. This is where Jesus is going to lead us. So Matthew 6, verse 25, will you read this with me? For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to her life's span? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like the lilies of the field. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is gone... Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Don't worry then, saying, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? What are we to wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself each day. Has enough trouble of its own. I love to imagine the way Jesus taught this, you know? Like his tone and the setting. This is actually my favorite part of reading scripture. He was in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Groups of Jews were gathered with the explicit intent to hear and learn from Jesus, right? And I, I just imagine Jesus is kind of like this when he's teaching. You know, he's just kind of leaned back, casual. He's saying, this is my way. Sorry, I know most of you can't see me in the back, so I'll stand up. I would stay down the whole time. It's kind of nice. If I imagine Jesus is like that, he's not yelling at the top of a mountain. He's saying this, what he's doing when he's walking through this This verse, this chapter in Matthew 6, he's saying, this is my way. This is my yoke. When you pray, do it like this. This is my way. When you give, do it like this. This is my way. When you fast, do it like this. This is my way. This is my yoke. Oh, and money, 
Here's my way with money. So he's walking through step by step. Don't store for yourselves treasures on earth. Store your treasures in heaven. You'll get the eternal reward there. And, you, and the verse that comes right before the passage I just read says, you can't serve two masters, God and money, right? And in this passage we see he's talking so much more than just about money. He's talking about the way of the world, right? You can't choose my way and the way of the world. They're conflicting. But if you choose my way, if you take on my yoke, the one I'm describing here, then what does he say in verse 25? For this reason, if you take on my way and my yoke, don't be worried about your life or my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? If you do my way, if you take on my yoke. And I love, you know, um, Paul in Philippians 4 says, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? And I laugh when I, when I like, think about Paul's words, because he says, like, don't be anxious about anything. Like, how does that even feel to hear that, you know? Don't be anxious about anything. Present your request to God and the peace. It almost sounds like an equation, right? Like it's so, sorry if that's your like life theme verse. It's just still a good one. It's still true. But Paul's, what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that Paul's tone is so like matter of fact and direct as he's walking through like, this is the first step and here's what you do and here's what happens, right? And Jesus, on the other hand, as he's walking through this Matthew 6 passage, I, I honestly, not to gender stereotype here, but I wonder if he's talking to like a group of mainly women because he's just like, you know, sitting down. It's like he's got all the time in the world. I'm going to just talk through every possible, you know, uh, in, like obstacle that you might have to laying down your burdens. I'm going to talk through every excuse you might have. Let's just talk through them all. I got all the time in the world. I'm a patient Jesus. Let me just, let's, let's process. This is what he does. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the, of the air. God feeds them. Verse 28. This is Jesus, okay? Just picture his tone. So gentle, so, so um, kind and patient. Look at the lilies. How beautifully they're clothed. And they don't even work for it. <laughs> Look at the grass. It's alive for like a minute, and then it's dead. And God still cares for it. Do you know how much more he cares for you? God so loved you that he gave me his only son. Whoever believes in me might not perish but have eternal life. God so loves you. Do you know how loved you are by God? And if that doesn't stick with you, if that doesn't convince you to lay down your burden, Jesus is like, let's use another argument. How about this? Logically, verse 27, you can't gain a single hour to your life by worrying, can you? So he's like, okay, if you have a logical brain, let's talk about this way. You can't add a single hour to your life by worrying. What's the point? He's like, okay, if that doesn't encourage you, I'll give you another one. I mean, this is amazing that Jesus is walking through this. Verse 32, he says, 
The Gentiles worry about all these things. But do you remember who you are? And do you remember who God is? You're a daughter of the king. You have access to the father, to the fullness of joy that's found in his presence, to the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, to the power of the Holy Spirit, to spiritual wealth and inheritance. What are you doing, daughter? Don't forget. Don't forget what's at your fingertips, the privilege that you have when you enter into the rest of God. Remember what Megan said last night? Everything. We don't just dump our sin on Jesus. Everything that's his becomes ours. Whoa. Do you remember that um, 1 Peter verse she read? 1 Peter 2, 9? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. This is what you were made for. The Gentiles, all they, they don't have anything else to live for. Of course, they're going to be worried about their clothing and what they eat and yada, yada. But don't forget who you are. Don't forget that you're a royal priesthood in Christ. And then Jesus is like, but if that argument doesn't work for you, if you're still not convinced to lay down your burden, how about another one? Do you see where we're at? I mean, this is wild. This is, I think, the trump card, really. Verse 32, he says this. Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. He knows you need them and he cares. Why do I think this is the most important one? Well, I, I love Psalm 139 when David says, you've searched me, you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar, you scrutinize my path, my lying down, you're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. What is David doing as he's recognizing this and reciting this to the Lord, these feelings? He's identifying, really what he's doing is he's identifying that God knows him even better than he knows himself. And if that's true, if God knows him even better than he knows himself, why would you not trust God? Why would you not trust him? See why I think this is the best argument of all? It's like, you know, my kid getting all grumpy and fussy and telling me that he, you know, wants blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, actually, you're just hungry and you need a banana. You know, it's like, he, they don't know. And God's like, I know you. Jesus is like, God knows you so well. Why would you not trust him with your burdens? Why don't you just lay him down? And so Jesus, in the most patient and kind and gentle way, is like, come on, lay down your burdens. I'm giving you every reason to. And what reason do you have not to? Lay them down. Come on. Some of you, I feel like you're still hanging on to them. And Jesus is like, look at all the reasons. It's time. Why are you still holding on? Don't you want to experience the easy yoke and the light burden? Because you're going to have to lay them down if you do. And so this is Jesus in his kind and gentle way doing it. And so often I think we think this passage in Matthew chapter 11, this theme passage that we've been studying together this weekend is all about rest, right? We read that first verse, 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We say it all the time, and we stop right there. You know, it's like, Jesus says, come, and we're going to get the rest. Yes, that sounds great. But we, st- we could stop reading right there. And then it's the next verse that Jesus says how we actually get the rest, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How? Take my yoke upon you. And so this is the next step, taking on the yoke of Jesus. If we want to experience the light yoke and the easy burden, we have to lay down our burdens and we have to take on his yoke. It's so funny because I was actually thinking, like, what's a perfect illustration for how to talk through and demonstrate and illustrate, like, what the yoke of Jesus is? And then I'm like, hello, it's a yoke because Jesus gave us the perfect picture, right? For this group of people... He is saying exactly the perfect illustration that fits is the yoke. And for us, we're like, maybe many of us are not familiar with yokes. But it's this actual piece of work equipment that goes over an ox. How many of you know this? Yeah. Yes, you, you know this. It goes over an ox. It, like, leads into, you know, them to plow the field. So I want you to just picture this illustration. Because if Jesus gave it, it's the perfect one, right? And I'm thinking, like, how does this play out? If, G- if Jesus wants us to take his yoke on us, what does this look like, okay? The first thing I notice, and you're probably like, this is obvious, Brooke, but hang with me, okay? It might be obvious, but it's difficult to do. I don't think you can wear two yokes at the same time. Can you? Think about it. Like, if I have a yoke, and Megan is holding it, and she's leading me to plow a field, and this lady, what's your name? Emily Emily is holding another yoke, of course it's Emily, (laughs) another yoke and it's over me, where am I, which direction am I going to be led? Nowhere. The answer is nowhere. That's not going to lead me anywhere, right? And that's why Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You can't. You just can't do it. And some of us, we read these words and we hear Jesus say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we get scared because we're like, a yoke and a burden? Why doesn't he just take it all off, right? Why doesn't Jesus say, like, I will give you rest and just remove it all? Because actually the rest comes when we put on the yoke of Jesus. The rest is in his yoke. But I think the reason it sounds scary and intimidating to us is actually because we're already wearing a yoke. Because we're already weighed down by burdens. And so when we hear that Jesus has another one for us, we imagine adding it on top. And it doesn't work like that. We have to take it off. We have to take off the, the yoke. we got to lay down the burdens in order that we might take on his. And as I've been preparing this message over the last couple weeks, this has been really helpful. I've been asking myself this question. Is the worry or the anxiousness, the heaviness that I'm feeling right now, is it my yoke? Is it my burden? Or is it Jesus' yoke and Jesus' burden? Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if he says it, it's true. And often I find, you're right, the heaviness, I put that on myself. Here's the other thing I noticed about a yoke. You can't wear two at the same time 
and you're either wearing it or you're not. Think about it with me, okay? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And I can't believe how many of you came up to me yesterday to, I, I mentioned this briefly, the idea of mimicking the way of Jesus versus actually being led and transformed by him. I think many of us are standing next to Jesus saying, I want to look like you, and I'm going to try to look like you and mimic you, but I'm not going to put your yoke on. But the problem is that that's where the rest comes. That's the easy yoke and the light burden is in his yoke, right? And Jesus says, put that baby on. It's light and it's easy, and that's where you will find rest. And I will lead you in my way for my glory and your good. And Megan mentioned last night, what is our good? She might have written a book on this. <laughs> that we'd become more like him. This is how he leads us. And I thought of this, um, this image, being yoked to Jesus. Uh, when I was pregnant with my son and with my daughter, uh, I mentioned we have lost three babies, and so I, I just find such joy and peace and excitement when I feel my babies move, you know, because I know, like, they're in there. They're healthy. They're wiggling around and kicking, and I quickly discovered that um, when I drink Sprite, because it's so sugary and cold and fizzy, both my son and my daughter would like do flips within like a minute. It was like I'd start drinking a Sprite and they're like going nuts in there like a dance party. And so I started drinking a Sprite like every day because I'm like, this is so fun. <laughs> You're like, that's not healthy, I know. <laughs> but what if we were so yoked to Jesus that it was like a baby in utero Everything that he has, we receive. Everything that is his is ours. Can a baby in utero get anything from anything outside the mother? It's impossible. It's impossible, right? What if everything we had came from Jesus himself alone? What if everything we had came from him? And what if we believed and lived like everything that was his was ours? and available to us. Whoa. I mean, think about it. A mother has to think about everything they put in their body. Every single thing. Even everything you put on your skin. It all goes there, right? Everything that was Jesus's became ours. To be yoked to Jesus in this way. And so if we want to say yes, to be yoked to Jesus, to lay down our burdens and to take on his yoke, what's his yoke? What is it actually, right? This is what we spend our whole Christian life learning and understanding. What does it look like to be yoked to Jesus? And I think Jesus says it so beautifully and so simply in this Matthew 6 passage. This is what he says. Look at verse 33 with me. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
This is what it boils down to. And I love, you know how I know this is the yoke of Jesus? is because this is how Jesus lived. He sought first the Father. Remember, nearness to the Father. That's what he sought. He sought first the kingdom of the Father. And what do I mean by first? First when he was young. First in the morning. First in the week. First, first priority, as in first priority. Jesus sought first the kingdom and his righteousness. And everything was added to him. A quick story as I close. Oh, I mentioned earlier that I suffer from health problems. And I have had seasons of life that have just been really hard and heavy. And I know some of you in this room have as well. This past fall was one of those seasons. It was like three months, November, December, and January, of like days where I couldn't get up. I was just down hard. And it was a season, interesting enough, where I was praying for healing. And it hasn't come yet. But there was one day in particular that is very vivid in my memory. And um, I was in a very low place. And I had both my kids, one and three, very active, on the go. And I couldn't get up. And we were like on the sixth episode in a row of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. And I just remember thinking like, I was so desperate, laying on the couch thinking, Lord, like how, and I don't know why this is the thing that got me, that like made me emotional, but like, how am I gonna make dinner? That was like the thing, it was just like this practical thing that I knew I was supposed to do for our family that day and I want to do for our family, but I just couldn't, I just did not have the physical strength to do it. And I just sat on my couch as like episode seven starts rolling in. And I just remember saying like, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And I remember as I say these words to the Lord, this passage comes to my mind from Mark chapter 10, where Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, is on the side of the road and he calls out to Jesus and he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And I love Bartimaeus's cry because he identifies Jesus as the son of David, right? Who's the son of David? Promised one, the Messiah. So even Bartimaeus in his, his call out to Jesus is identifying who he is. It's like a proclamation of faith, right? Son of David, I know who you are. I know what you can do. Have mercy on me. As Jesus is entering the city, and of course Jesus stops, and he tells his disciples, get that guy over here. So the disciples go up to Bartimaeus. say, take courage. Jesus is calling for you. I could be reading it, but I'm basically reading it because I love this story. And it says Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and jumps up. Imagine a blind beggar that's been sitting on the side of the road his whole life, throws off his cloak and jumps up and is led to Jesus. Bartimaeus stands face to face with Jesus. He's blind. Jesus is looking at him and Jesus in his tenderness and care. It's like, it reminds me, it takes me straight back, back to Mac, Matthew 6. Just Jesus' posture and tone, like, what worries you? Let's talk through it. What matters to you? It matters to me. 
And Jesus looks at Bartimaeus and says, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? What a kind question, you know? Because it could be obvious. And Bartimaeus says, I want to be healed. And Jesus heals him, gives him back his sight. And as I'm laying on my couch, I'm thinking of this story, and I'm crying out to the Lord, I want to be healed. And if you heal me, I'll make dinner with joy and delight and a great attitude every single night for the rest of my life for my family, and I will do great things for your kingdom, and I'll go, and I'll be super productive, and I'll accomplish a lot. And you're laughing at me because it's so obvious. But that's not what the Lord wants from me. And I knew it as I was saying it. I want to be healed. And the Lord changed my heart in that moment from asking for healing. I want to be healed. I want you. I need you. I need you to be my daily bread. I need you to be the living water that is flowing through my veins. I need you to be the source of life that comes from the vine into my branches. I need you to sustain me and to strengthen me. And maybe you won't heal me. Maybe we are ordering takeout tonight. But what I really desire, one thing I ask that I might seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think this is what it looks like to experience the light burden and the easy yoke. It's not that our circumstances change or that our lives become easier. It's that we begin to seek first the kingdom and Jesus is what we want. And when we desire him with all our being, when he is our greatest treasure and joy, and we come to that place of realizing, I want you even more than I want to be healed. I need you to sustain me, and I know you will, because you have. You will provide for me today, and you will provide for me tomorrow. You will provide for me, maybe I can't even think about today, but just in this moment. You will provide what I need, because I have it in you. What? That is mind-blowing. I have it in you, and here's how the yoke becomes easy and the burden becomes light. There's this little old verse in Romans 8 that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. What? I'm like, this cheer. Because if that is true, then we have a light yoke and an easy burden or whatever, an easy burden and a light yoke because we have Jesus. And if Jesus is our greatest treasure and our greatest joy, then persecution or tribulation or trouble or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. We conquer all these things overwhelmingly through them who him who loved us. Because I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, or any other created thing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! <laughs> That's a light yoke and the easy burden. And that is available to you today. It is my prayer and deepest desire of my heart that Jesus himself would be your greatest treasure and your greatest joy and that when he becomes that for you, you would experience it to be real in your life. Let's pray. Oh God, you are so good. 
you are so good to us in that we have you and you are what we seek and in you is everything we need and nothing can separate us from that. And that is our hope. And that is our joy. And you are our delight. We are blessed. We are blessed women. And you are good. Thank you, God. Amen.